Thank you for listening to audio from Glen Meadows Baptist Church. We hope it blesses you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not a current member of Glen Meadows, we encourage you to visit one of our services, Sundays at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. You may be seated, and if you would, grab a Bible. There may be one under the chair in front of you. And we will be in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. And then we are going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and looking at how we are to do the Lord's Supper. So in this incredible season that we are in, there is a, an excitement about the first advent of Christ. And as we come to the Lord's Supper, we are reminded to proclaim the second advent of Christ. But the time in between there, between His first coming and His second coming, here we are in the middle. We are actually benefactors. We benefit from what Jesus did on the cross, and it's in a, it's in a powerful way. And we see that starting literally in the promises that were given by an angel to shepherds on a hill. So here are these guys just, uh, I was going to say cattlemen, but they weren't cattlemen, were they? Uh, sheepmen. Oh, shepherds. That's what they're called. They were shepherds, and they were on this hill in the hills of Judea in a very beautiful environment. And it says in that same region, which is just five miles south of Jerusalem, as, as a crow flies, um, you, here's what happened. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory, the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, here's the proclamation, today a Savior who is Messiah and Lord was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. And suddenly, <clears throat> as soon as he makes that announcement, the angels just break out. The curtains open up on the other side of the, of the flesh. What you can see on the other side, you see this, the glory of God in the highest. That's what they proclaimed. And peace on earth to people he favors. And so what you and I have right here is an opportunity to what's happening behind the physical scenes and reminds, of what, of, reminds us of what's really happening in the spiritual realm. Because there's a whole nother reality that is behind, behind what you see. And a lot of what you see happens because of the way we respond to the unseen world. Here's what I mean by that. There's a lot of people that just ignore God's favor. They ignore God's will. A lot of people ignore God's presence, and therefore they live in the physical side as though nothing supernatural can take place. They might even think that you can't even talk to God. They might even think because you can't see God, you can therefore ignore God, and they're absolutely wrong. So when you and I live in this world with the realities of the eternal world, then everything changes, and it just does. So here's what happened. The shepherds were up in the fields, and they were just singing songs to the sheep because that's what shepherds do, and they were telling their stories, and all of a sudden, an angel appears. And so the spiritual side opened up the door in the physical side, and amazing things took place. And the first thing he said is, don't be afraid. And the reason why is because sometimes when angels like this show up, you really need to be afraid because there's war, 
<laughs> or there's, there's, uh, there's judgment that's coming because you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if you've seen an angel of this magnitude as massive and broad and their voice shakes the very ground that they're walking on and he starts to speak, they begin to tremble because it's just unreal on this side of the physical. On that side, in the spiritual, it happens every day. It's all around us. I don't know if you've ever seen an angel or not. Well, in fact, I do. You haven't. You just haven't, probably. At least you weren't aware of it when you did. They were unaware. But if you were, if, for instance, God was to pull back the curtains of the flesh and we were to see, we would all be terrified. You know, there's something about the fear of the Lord, and we've talked about that in Peter, right? That the fear of the Lord is healthy. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Understanding the terror of the Lord leads to something very healthy in your life, and that is God is holy, right? Incredibly holy. So when an angel who's been in his presence shows up, there is a, 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 t- a temptation to be afraid. But he says this, don't be afraid. Listen, this is a good day. And he pronounces what the good day is. Today, a Savior who is Messiah the Lord, is born for you. Now, their minds automatically went back to everything they had ever read in the, in the Old Testament, all the stories that the parents have told them. In fact, you may be here today, and you may have been sharing these stories with your children. It works like this. You've got like a, a story Bible, and it's got good pictures, and you sit down with their kids. It might be at breakfast. It might be before they go to bed, and you begin to go through these stories, and the very first story in any single, in every one of the story Bibles is about the creation, right? Talking of God's power, and then it moves how the creation and man's soul was marred or died or became depraved, and it happened because of man's sin. And If you follow a story Bible, that's the first story. It explains all the brokenness in life. Even children know about brokenness. They can see it. They can sense it. They can find it within their own soul. Just a a loneliness or a, a disappointment or maybe even as adults we begin to see it manifest in so many ways. Everybody here has been exposed to brokenness, right? Everybody here has created brokenness. You know why? Because I'm broken right here. You're broken right here, right here, right here, right here. We are broken. And so when he's, the angel is speaking and he says this, he says, a savior is born who is the Messiah and Lord. They automatically went back to Genesis 3 verse 15, where it says, there's coming a seed. There's coming a one who's going to crush the head of the breaker of Satan who creates a lot of brokenness. And there was the mis- there's the story, the story of redemption. From that point on, in every section of the Bible, you hear he's coming, he's coming. We need him. We need rescue from our brokenness in our soul. He's coming. And then here comes the announcement. An angel goes right to these shepherds. I would not have written the plot that way. I wouldn't have written a story like that. But God, this is who God is. God says, you know what? I'm going to pick the common guy on a common hill doing a common thing. And he just, bam, unloads on them. They're shaken. And then here's the message. There's no greater message than this. Today, 
a Savior who is Messiah is for you. Right? Now. You may say, you know what? I'm not good enough yet to, you know, to have a relationship with God. I'm not good enough to go to heaven. I'm not, you know what? He doesn't even bring that up. He doesn't even say, hey, uh, shepherds, go make sure everybody's acting right and then I'll come. No. Today, just as you are, in all of our brokenness, a Savior is born for you today. And see, we can have eternal life. We can have eternal life. We can be in touch with God who is invisible, who's on the other side, just like the angel was before he opened up the curtains. You and I can be in touch with him if our sin has been dealt with. Because it's our sin that separates us from God, right? It's our sin. And, and we all are sinners. And, and so you confessing that you're a, sin, a sinner is just being honest with who, who you and I are. You know what? Uh, I don't want to disappoint anybody here, and, but I'm not perfect. I'm just not. I'm just not. And I got, I got news. Uh, you ain't either. Right? And, if, and, and, and since we're a church made up of an imperfect guy, made up of imperfect people, then we are an imperfect church, right? Right. And so, and so, and if you're looking for a, a perfect church, you need to get on down the road because it ain't here, right? In fact, if you get on down the road and you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll screw it up, right? You just will. So while we're all here and those of us, and I hope all of us have received Jesus, Lord and Savior, we now have the Holy Spirit inside of us and we are now the body of Christ on earth proclaiming the eternal salvation of all people, but yet we still rub up against one another occasionally, right? It's holiday season. Someday you end up, you might happen to you, you might end up at the same table with somebody you might not be real happy to be having Christmas turkey with, right? That might happen. Maybe at work, maybe in the neighborhood, maybe in family, maybe in the church. Maybe there's someone that's just kind of rubbed you wrong. Maybe there's someone that's just different and you've never really taken the time to understand. Well, when we come to the Lord's table, we have to confess any brokenness among us. We do. We have to do business with God. Why? Because <clears throat> right here, the Lord's Supper, as we're, and we'll read this in a second, is an avenue to where we touch the invisible side, the eternal side, where we connect in a very powerful way. Let me show you that. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul showed the disciples how to do this at the, right after the Last Supper. Then they had the Lord's communion, the Lord's Supper. And then Paul says that the Lord showed me, in other words, the Lord purposefully went to Paul and gave him instructions, God to man, Jesus to Paul, and told him how to do this so that you and I would do it right. We'd do this right. And we're going to do it by the book. Not by tradition, but by the book. So here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Now in giving the following instructions... I do not praise you. In other words, he says, we're going to have the Lord's Supper and you guys haven't been doing it right. That's what he's telling this church. Since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Oh, no. <clears throat> Did you know it's possible to go to church and make God mad at the same time? That's what we just read. They went to church, but they went to church for all the wrong reasons. 
And so he said, let's make it right. For to begin with, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. They might have been within family. It might have been within conflict within leadership. And in part, I believe them. There must be indeed be fractions among you so that the approved may be recognized. Verse 20 says, therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper. In other words, look, man, if you're, if you're here and you're just like, you know, I'm just, I'm just clocking time and religious duties, then man, don't do that. I'm just here because somebody's making me come. Change your mind real quick. Because what we're about to do is pretty serious. Let me explain it. So he says this in verse 20 and 4. In eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of the other. One person is hungry while another one is drunk. Just don't do that. Uh, Don't you have houses? And then verse 23 says this. For I receive from the Lord what I pass on to you. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said... This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So here's what we do. We are to recognize that this is more than a cracker and juice. I mean, it is just a cracker and juice. That's all it is. But it's much more than that. We ask the Lord to come. And these symbols don't change. But these symbols become something important to us. It's recognizing that when he died on the cross, he died in your place. His, his body was broken for me, and we began to worship the Lord that He gave His life for each and every one of us. We also not only recognize that, but it's also a remembrance. We remember what He did on the cross. We remember that He forsook His own pleasure, He forsook His own will, and He said, Father, not my will be done, but Yours. And we remember that whole gospel message of dying to self, living for Him. But he also makes this point that we proclaim his death until he comes. So those are the three things. Recognizing the body, remember what he did, and proclaiming his soon return. So Jesus never, listen, this is just true. Jesus never said, remember my birth. He didn't say that. There's nothing wrong with celebrating his birth. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not what he said to do. He said, remember my death. As if that literally is the center of everything. The gospel is the center of our life. It's the center of the church. And it's who we are to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. It's about remembering not only the gospel, but remembering why, how he went through the crucifixion, how he went He laid aside his prerogative of all of his deity, and he willingly took the judgment of God. That's why when he was on the cross, he made those famous statements, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 22, recognizing the fact that the very judgment of God was upon his head instead of your head. And that's why it says a Savior has been born for you. He was our substitute on the cross. He took our place. And then also remembering that he's coming again. And Listen, so here we are in between. We're in between His first advent, His coming, and we're in between His second advent, His coming again. And how are you going to live? How are you going to believe? What are you going to do? Because He's coming. He is coming just like He came the first time, by the prophecies that have been built up to it, by the prediction. And just as he came the first time and was promised, he is coming the second time that very same way. That's how he's coming. And, but yet there's some things that's not like the first time. 
The first time, he came as a baby in a manger wrapped in death clothes, right? The second time he comes back, he's coming back as a mighty warrior on a white horse with a rod and with iron, and he's going to bring judgment. The first time he came, he came to give salvation. The second time, and he, didn't, he said, I didn't come to judge, I came to save. But the second time he comes, the Bible speaks of him coming with fire in his eyes. So here we are in between. So we take this message, we apply it to our hearts, and we live accordingly. That's why we celebrate Christmas the way we do, with Jesus being exalted. In this passage of Scripture, and we're going to do this in just a second, he says this, Therefore, because of what we just said, therefore, verse 27, 1 Corinthians 11, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood. So therefore, we must examine ourselves. A man must examine himself in this way, that he should eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing his body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So it's a serious time. So we recognize what he did. So when we partake of the bread, the cracker, we are saying, Lord Jesus, I know you died for me, and I internalize that message because I've received it in my soul. Secondly, when we drink of the cup, we realize that he spilled his blood to strike a new covenant for you and I to walk in. And we internalize that message. That's what we do. But as Christians, we examine our lives first. Lord, have I, have I offended anybody? What have I offended you? Have I done anything wrong? And so we will have time of meditation here in just a second, just for you to just spend time with the Father. And just, here's a couple things, let me prompt you, a couple things you can say privately in your heart, and just say, God, thank you for dying for me. I don't deserve your love, but I sure receive every part of it. Receive his love. You can pray like that. You might even pray like this, God, I know you saved me, you died for me, but Lord, if I've done anything to offend you as my father, would you show me? And you know what? Usually the first thing that comes to your mind it's what the Lord wants you to deal with. It could be anger. It could be selfishness. It could be self-seeking. It could be neglect. It could be all kinds of things. Let me read you another passage for us just to meditate upon. It's in the book of Hebrews. It's something I like to go to often. And it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Listen to these words. It says, Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And then it says, verse 15, See to it, no one falls short of the grace of God or that a root of bitterness wells up within your heart. See, when bad things happen to us in brokenness, there's a temptation to hold back mercy, hold back love, hold back grace, 
And God is saying, listen, don't fall short of the glory of, of the grace of God. As much grace as you've received in forgiveness, you show others and also not only actively show grace to other people, but don't passively allow a root of bitterness well up within your heart to where every time you think of the person or see the person, you have bad feelings on the inside. Just turn this over to the Lord. If you do, then you're going to have a fantastic Christmas. You're going to love like you've never loved. You're going to have joy like you've never had. You'll have peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so what we're asking is that God would begin to move in this moment to reorient our, orient our lives and our hearts. So if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, in just a moment, you're going to get a time and an opportunity to receive Jesus as Savior. And Christian, if you need to get right with God in any way, this is your time. So that when we leave these doors, we will have bridged the physical side and the eternal side right in our hearts. Thank you again for listening to audio from Pastor Mac Roller at Glamina's Baptist Church. For previous sermons and more information, please check out our website at gmbc.org.